0: No Welcome to No Challenges Remaining. I am Ben Rothenberg. I am happy on this episode to bring you a chat I did back at the U.S. Open, or back during the U.S. Open, in Manhattan, at his hotel, with Vashek Pospisil, who has become one of the most... Focal invisible leaders of the players' council and the players' movement in general as they seek further compensation, further representation against the tournaments who control the sport. Uh, we chatted in the lobby, and he was nice enough to make time for a long chat about, about a bunch of the topics which he's been concerned with, which include player compensation, player legal representation, conflicts of interest in tennis, cases around Justin Gimelstob and Chris Kermode, cooperation with the Women's Tour and the Women's Player Council and so on. Uh, so I hope you enjoyed this chat with Vashik. Uh Apology, I was a bit groggy and had a cold during this interview, but I tried to edit out most of my coughing at least. Uh, and he was a good sport about all that. And he was kind enough to give his time and thoughts to my questions. So hopefully you enjoy and can learn something about where the player movements are at these days in the sport. If you care at all about tennis politics, this is a good show for you. Here's Vashik.
1: Very delighted to be joined by Vashik Paspasil. Here, Vashik, thank you for being here.
2: Yeah, thanks for having me here.
1: Uh, so, talking to you, obviously you just finished your US Open, it's good, you had a win over Karen Khachanov, so that was a, a big top ten win for you, um, but we're here more to talk about today, your, uh, your role as a player council member, which you've become one of, the, sort of, the most prominent, maybe, guy on the player council, in terms of having a lot of opinions and articulate stuff out there about what you believe and why you believe it, and I'm curious. I guess to start from the beginning, like how you sort of got involved in the tennis politics side of the uh, of the tour, which a lot of guys shy away from, but you've right. done whatever the opposite of sh- you've de- dove right in.
2: <laughs> yeah, well, I guess I, I think it's it started two years ago uh, at the the player meeting uh, here in, in New York, actually, where where we kind of sat through a presentation from the ATP, and and I was just a little bit tired of of seeing all this information with no context and. And not being really able to get any uh, questions answered, and and I'd heard obviously of all the issues from from some of the council members, and I'd heard you know the, the inequity in the in the Grand Slam um, uh, prize money, uh, a percentage of revenue sharing, and all this and all the other issues, but no, no one's actually no one actually had done anything about it. So I figured, okay, well well maybe maybe I should join the council and see. What, why nothing has really changed over the years and what the real issues are and try to get educated and, and see what I could do and kind of take it on on myself to see if I could uh, affect some kind of change.
1: Did you feel like when you got on the council you learned why things weren't progressing like you might have hoped they were?
2: Yeah, I mean, I saw it firsthand. I mean, I've always heard about about the, the structure and the governance, but I didn't really understand it. Obviously, that's one thing to be on the council. Um, you know, I mean, it's a totally different thing to be on the council and actually seeing firsthand uh, what it is in our structure that is, that is broken and why we can't change things versus, you know, having a casual conversation with somebody in the locker room and then just kind of mentioning it and then going to practice, you know, it's a totally different kind of thing. And, and obviously, I'm, I'm very passionate. When it, when I, anytime I hear of an injustice, whether it is or not, obviously, you know, then you have to go and figure it out for yourself. But when I'm hearing that there's injustice, I mean, there's, there's, there are very few things that get me more motivated and passionate um, than when I, when I hear something like that. So that was that was the reason why I went on the council. I just wanted to kind of get fully educated into what is going on in our teni- in the tennis world and, and try to see if I could change something.
1: So this might be a long answer from you, but what do you see in tennis right now that falls under the category of injustice in your eyes? Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, I mean, well, well, basically it's it's the fact that the players don't have legal representation that look out solely for their best interests. And I mean, if you, if you have, um, and, and that's the way it's structured, you know, on the ATP or, or obviously the Grand Slams, and then with just that in itself, that becomes, there just becomes so many other problems from there, right? I mean, you get... Uh, the, the Grand Slam prize money revenue sharing. I mean, we get 14 percent, seven to the w- men, seven to the women, which we now know is even less based on what the New York Times reported oh, about US uh, Open not underreporting
1: revenue. Exactly,
2: yeah. exactly. So it's even less than that, and then also just a lack of transparency from the events, and and yeah, the ATP is is 50 percent uh, players and 50 percent tournaments um, in terms of uh, the shareholder, <laughs> but but but. Um, you know, all the the power and the influence is really on the tournament side, and we can't really, uh, we don't really have much say in terms of, uh, you know, necessarily getting anything from the events. It's it's just it's difficult. It's a difficult. It's a very difficult process, and our hands are kind of tied because, you know, we don't do this for, for a living. We're not politicians. We're not uh, professionals or lawyers or, um, in this in this domain, we're we're just trying to improve our games, and we don't have the time to actually dive deep and, and figure out. Uh, if we're being treated fairly, if if we're getting what we should be getting uh, in terms of the prize money, and and so it's a very, I mean, the rabbit hole goes very very deep, and to figure out all these details, you need professional help, and I think that's just that's just what we don't have, and and uh, that's the biggest issue right now.
1: And that is something I believe that you've been involved in trying to bring in, right? I've heard seen reports on that on this past week, of uh, a law firm who's coming to. Possibly, can you know, just talk about that whole effort? I guess explain that yes. from, from where that I don't know if that was your idea or who, who who's that started with.
2: Yeah, that's correct. I mean, that was that actually that that idea sparked two years. I mean, two years ago. For the I I just figured, you know, nothing's ever going to really change unless we we get legal representation. So I've had this idea for a long time. I was never really able to execute it. I went on the council to get more educated to be more prepared for for this kind of movement. And then when I had surgery in January, I figured, okay, this is the perfect time I to to do something about it because. I can't practice. I can't do anything. I'm out for the next eight months. So, so I mean, when am I ever going to do it? If not now, and so I really dove in. Uh, I, I was fortunate enough to meet with uh, the global chair of Norton Rose, which they're obviously a, a huge uh, global power. And and they they yeah. Long story short, they 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 agreed to to represent the, the players uh, for Grand Slam prize money negotiations. So. Um, they were here in New York. They came to our meeting on Friday. They made a presentation. I'd already been going uh, to top hundred players since since uh, the week prior to Wimbledon, getting uh, you know as as many guys as, as possible supporting this. We have over eighty now, and um, and yeah, there's there's I think the players are, are quite united with um, with at least uh, the whole um, idea of having a democratic, you know, fair process of coming to the negotiation table with si- leverage on both sides and being able to make arguments on both sides and come to a fair compromise but up until now we've we've never really had this opportunity so i mean that that's what it is we're not actually going for we want this number we want you know we want this no we we need more money for for whatever it's it, we're not it's not coming from the, that angle it's coming from okay well like what is our actual value like what what we don't want to be taken advantage of and we feel like you know the only way to make sure that that isn't happening is that we have professionals that are representing yeah. us,
1: and so that's that's a different method than it's a sim- similar spirit to like a union because I think of union in sports context often as just being player advocates, right? So in so many cases when a player gets suspended for something, it's the NFL Players Union or the NBA Players Union that steps up and sort of represents them, which I was thinking was something that was severely lacking in tennis. This summer particularly, particular, I know we talked about these two cases mm-hmm. The on the women's side, the Anna Tadashvili and then Bernard yes. Tomek, yes. Um, yeah. both of whom got their Grand Slam prize money first round, totally revoked for relatively seemingly arbitrary mm-hmm. subjective decisions about whether or not they were prepared for their match or giving effort in their match. Um, and Tomek did Tadishvili hired an outside law firm and got hers totally overturned yes. Tommy did not hire any representation sure. and got his shot down <laughs> and, and he should have clearly he should. but also like it would be it would make sense if there was some built in system yeah. a sort of in house counsel for the players or like a you know st- I don't, I'm not the best with legal terms but yes. somebody standing by on retainer or something yeah. to help with player fairness issues because like that that was the sort of thing and I realized that Bernard is not the most sympathetic person in the world and people get mad at him for tanking and his effort might not have always looked you know <laughs> like, yeah. like, uh, full in that match, but also like him getting his money taken away for a fairly subjective decisions struck me as incredibly bad Labor practices and a really bad da- precedent to set that the tournaments can just decide yep. after a match after giving no <laughs> indication during a match that anything was a problem. Hey, we're, you're not getting any of your money today, and that yeah, it's a precedent that just really bothered me. And it seemed to me like a big again. I know Bernard is not the most sympathetic people person to a lot of outside you know views. But like that's a horrible labor precedent right there.
2: Yeah, I mean horrible, horrible. I, I, I was really shocked by that because especially when you know when I when I first heard about it, I was like, okay, well, you know, I wanted to get the, the full story because it's always easy to just jump to conclusions right away. And and uh, but you know, as soon as I heard he didn't get a warning or he actually didn't have a code violation for lack of effort. I mean that that's on the tournament. That's on the official. I mean that's 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 the officials' uh, mistake. That's something that that you know at that point Wimbledon has to figure out. Not not Bernard because he was never even given he was never even notified that he was doing anything wrong. So you can't just go after the match and be like okay like you know what we reviewed the tapes, you know we think your your backhand is too ugly to be on the court. Yeah, you know we yeah. don't like the technique of your backhand, so we're gonna take all your money away. Whatever. Um obviously that's maybe not the best analogy, right. but 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 <laughs> but. But obviously, you know, if he doesn't get, receive a warning, then you can't just go and take all his money yeah. away. And, and he I won think, seven games in that match. It, yeah, out. yeah. And, and of course, you know, he, he's, he's maybe had a history of a, of a few circumstances where maybe he didn't give his be- best effort. But but in that particular match, you know, there were no warnings and court violations. So uh, if we go, if we jump forward to, to legal representation, I mean, now if we have, you know, obviously... Uh, norton rose well the the idea i mean i i think this is a once once in a lifetime opportunity right now for the players and even for the sport because um i mean they're they're not conflicted out they're a major law firm they're, they're they they have i mean we've never had this and since the atp was formed i think or maybe ever on the pro- professional tour to have such a goliath of a law firm representing the players of best interest and we're on the same team and we way I mean, this is this is a perfect situation. So to to be opposed to this movement as a player just doesn't make any sense. Yeah. I mean, it, it would all, all the only thing that would do is just raise questions. Well, why is this player opposed to having a, a legal representative looking out for his best interest? I mean, it doesn't make any sense. So I mean, if it, so anytime you know, and there have been a couple players that have been opposed, but they were opposed for different reasons and good reasons. And I was like, okay, fair enough. What what
1: sort of reasons are those?
2: Um, well, actually, I wouldn't be. I'd I prefer not to get not to get into it, just because uh, per, there's personal personal reasons that they gave me, and I said, "Hey, fair enough." And it's and it's actually only been very few, which is what I expected. I mean, I, 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 a lot of people have told me, "Hey, like, uh, are you surprised that, that there's so many players that are behind this?" It's like, no, not at all. I mean, that's actually why I did this because I knew the 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 chances of the success are going to be so high because you're in the locker rooms and the locker room talk. I mean, you you hear it every day, so. I know. I know uh, how the players are thinking, and like I said, I mean, this is. I think this is a huge opportunity to change the sport. To be honest, I mean, so now Novak, Novak, uh, you know, is spearheading this w- with me, and he's fully behind it. And uh, I think this is an amazing opportunity to change the sport forever because, um, you know, suddenly you, you'll you'll have from a hundred players making a living to possibly three hundred, and I mean. I think it's counter counterproductive, and sh- and um, for for the events to 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 keep it so top heavy because I think actually if you look at the long term that will grow the sport more than anything to have you know suddenly 300 players being able to make a living versus 100, I mean that you, for obvious reasons. Uh, but you can, yeah,
1: I, I, obviously that makes sense from a player perspective. But I'll push back on a little bit yeah, from the term just for sure, to for sure. keep it going. Do you think it matters to the U.S. Open that, that there's 300 players making a living? I mean, does that something that they need?
2: Well, well that's the thing, exactly,
1: right? Uh, how well, do you convince them they need that?
2: Well, how you convince? Well, it's because they they want to. Well, if you want to look in the future, if you want to look at 10, 20 years from now, and you want to get a better product, and you want to compete with, with uh, other sports. Well, you know, naturally, you're gonna have the product itself will get better. There'll be better tennis players. There'll be no. more players. There'll be more interest in it. I mean, and for for I mean, I'm sure they're invested, in... they have other events that will suddenly become more profitable, be more interest in tennis. There'll be. I mean, I just think it's a it's a snowball effect. That's this may be hard to make that jump because obviously this is business, and everybody wants to make yeah. their business as profitable as possible. And everybody knows that it's tough to make decisions, uh, you know, based on on theory. Uh, you know, looking ten years in advance. You know, to let's say, um, you know, take a shot to the foot. For the, t- for the short term, and then and then hope that I, you know yeah. so, some, something positive happens from that. But obviously, from, it's more from the players' perspective, of course, because you know this is something that that uh, you know we've dedicated our whole lives to, from the age of five, to, to bring this elite product, this this product that obviously is is making uh, you know tons of money for these events, and and there's only a handful of players that are actually making a living when there are billions of dollars out there yeah. per year. So so it's it's that's that's the issue in a nutshell and actually what i should mention while while i'm speaking about it is with this movement that, that 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 is going on um we're we're all every player that has signed so far in in this engagement letter there's a clause where we're going to actually give give back to the challenger tour so we're gonna we're going to uh decide on a dollar amount or percentage amount we haven't come to that number yet but everyone has already agreed and Everyone supports this this idea to to kind of pump money into the Challenger Tour because there's there's no money there. I mean, yeah. the guys, it's a high level. These guys are between 100 and 300 in the world, um, and you know, losing money every week. So so that can't happen in a sport in a, in a sport that's as profitable as tennis and as global and as popular as tennis.
1: What is your leverage here? I mean, is there? Because this is one thing. that I think there was talk. There was a boycott of Wimbledon back in the 70s. Mm-hmm. One year for the men boycotted when there was an issue over Davis Cup eligibility for playing the tournament and stuff. So it's n- not really to conversation really. Um, but that would be the sort of thing. I mean that's when that's when labor has powers and they can go on strike. And the tough yes. thing about tennis is that it's there's like there is no union just but way yes. set up there could never really be a union in the normal sense or at least in the current yes. idea of tennis being independent contractors. But do you think that players would be willing to do that in this day and age when there's so much money in Grand Slams, when the top guys you would need, I mean, you probably couldn't just have a a boycott of people who are less familiar names that wouldn't hurt the tournament as much. When guys like Rafa, Rafa, Roger Novak are going for these all-time records at Grand Slams, are they ever going to actually sit one out for this kind of principle, um, especially as their ages get older? I mean, is that something that's been discussed and is that a a sort of stick that you have uh, waiting uh, as a as
2: move, the nuclear button. Yeah, <laughs> no. yeah. Uh, well, well, well. It has it has been discussed. I'll, I'll put it this way. Uh, at, at the end of the day, so I'll, I'll just start by saying that nobody wants a boycott. Like nobody wants a boycott. The players don't want a boycott. The events definitely don't want a boycott. I mean, it would be just. It would not be good for the sport. It would actually it'd be disaster if you want to put it that way, right? So, so that is not something that we want to do. Having said that especially looking at, at you know to learn from the past um, you know negotiations have not been very easy with the is with no leverage and with, I mean in, in business in general what are you going to negotiate with no leverage I mean you, it's impossible yeah. it's, you know no one's just going to give you free money no one's just going to give give you something they don't have to give you just for the sake of giving it to you I mean um, so, so obviously this has been discussed um, the only thing I'll say about that is and what I feel comfortable saying here is that the the support for a a boycott, if it ever got to that, obviously has been tremendous. Mm. A tremendous. uh, Actually, that's that was the only part that surprised me so far. Is is that is that if if the players had players had a sense of security um, in that idea that it's incredibly unanimous um, and uh, that just shows you. I mean, that just tells you everything right there, right? And then in terms of the top players like you need the top players to stand up and uh and and let's say do what's i don't know if you want to say call it do what's right but obviously if you have you know 95 percent of the tour that want one thing uh then you know and if you're considered among if you're a player and you consider it a family as i've heard some players uh mention that recently it's peer pressure uh, at least if not not you know what i mean yeah but but so so Obviously, they're they're in a totally different kind of boat, but this is where I give this is where I have to I have to step you know give a lot of credit to, to Novak and and uh, you know s- say what you want about about him or say what you want about anybody to be honest because everybody has differences of opinion, but but you know I've I've spent a, a good amount of time with Novak on the council now. One thing I have to give him a tremendous amount of credit for is that he's really I mean he really cares about about the sport and about the players. Uh, that that are you know struggling to make a living, that are that should be getting a living and they're not getting. Just, I mean, he's fight. He's going through all the issues, you know, be it tiny like small issues with, you know, uh, the ball, the felts, on the or, or whatever or logos or, or whatever to, to major issues. And he's he's at every meeting, from the start to the finish. These meetings go sometimes seven eight hours, and and this you know this is a guy that's that's uh, one of the greatest athletes of you know of all time yeah. and and he's and he's yeah he has busy he's got a busy schedule i mean you know he, he has a lot of things going on but he's there um every day going through this so um so maybe maybe you know maybe he will uh you know step up as well i mean who, who knows um, in terms of uh if it ever came down to 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 a boycott and, and novak and sorry roger and rafa um we'll see we'll see what roger and rafa will say and uh, whether they, they, they join this movement or not, um, they you know time will tell, and I hope they do.
1: Uh, speaking of those three guys, they are all now on the player council. Yes. Um, no, uh, Rafa and Roger joined recently after to fill open seats that had opened up after a bunch mm-hmm. of resignations at Wimbledon. Uh, Robinasa and Stakovsky and Jamie Murray stepped down, and Valverde yes. on the coach's seat also. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been like a t- it's been a tumultuous time on the uh, yes. AP Player Council, being getting a lot of attention since uh, really I guess since Justin Gebelstads arrest was the main sort of signifier f- publicly when he mm-hmm. that report came he out He's a board member and the debate whether or not he just stay on um, and also simultaneously the decisions over Chris Cromot, the CEO whether or not to retain him which ultimately mm-hmm. decided not to through the boards council. I mean, some people separate those. I think more than they can sometimes. But I'm, I'm curious, just for you, what is it? It's, it's been called like a chaotic, for a time, or at least a tumultuous time for sure yes. on the on the player council That's and A right. governance. And what has it been like for you so the last roughly I don't know ten months or so since I guess since the Gimel sub arrest came to light. I don't know when you found out <laughs> yeah. about it. but When it got reported on Thanksgiving it happened on the, the, the incident happened on uh, uh, Halloween. So I don't know when you found out about it. But what is This whole walk me through this like ten month period.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, I'll I'll just say I'll just say it's been a very very frustrating uh, time on the council for me because uh, you know as players we're all there we're all there we don't get a penny we're not there's nothing in for us I mean every one of us there we're spending all this time and energy and effort to to make a positive change and obviously that's not the case for everybody else around us I mean everyone else that we're dealing with. Uh, on a daily basis, with in terms of te- you know politics and tennis, has vested I mean has interests, has conflicts of interest, ha- has an agenda. Everyone has an agenda that might not be genuine, that might be you know. So so it's it's kind of, it's, it's it's been dealing with the, the, the true politics and you know um, misinformation and 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 just and just trying to figure out honestly just trying to figure out like what where to go. Like, you know, And that was, that's was yeah. that been the tough part. Kendrick, yeah. I
1: was thinking something I wanted to ask earlier. Um, you mentioned when you bring in an outside counsel, Norton yes. Rose, who you said is totally unconflicted. You say that, and that stands out in tennis, because almost everything is conflicted in exactly. tennis. And so many, yeah. particularly the most obvious one, I think, in this sort of situation is the management company. So many of them, like IMG yes. or for Octagon, yep. they represent players, yep. but they also own tournaments. And so they're on both sides of the table at once, in theory, and probably... I'm guessing you think probably more on the tournament side of the table when push comes to shove. That's more of their assets. And how much is that? How much is that sort of lack of real, hundred percent, you know, committed representation been a, been an issue for players? And I'll get back to the
2: council. Yeah, stuff. I mean, I think that's I think that's right there. That's the biggest issue in tennis, right? I mean, I, I think of, of course, of course, when you have uh, these hu- huge, huge corporations like let's say IMG, where where you know, surely they're much more profitable from. From the, their their relationships and their, their their business with tournaments and tournament ownership than they are with representing players and taking a fraction of of uh, the few endorsement deals that there are. Right. So I think obviously it's it's a it's a smart it's a smart business model because you have your hands everywhere and you have pawns all over. But but um, I think that's that's kind of the issue is is even for these players is it's the misinformation and, and it's who who do you trust? Right. Like it's that I think that's just it's just a difficult it's it's. It's a very complex uh, system that we have in place. I mean, you can go to, you can point almost to anyone on the tour right now. Be it a a coach or, or I mean, there's some kind of conflict somewhere, which is, I mean, it's been very, it's actually been a very strenuous and time-consuming process for me because for every player that I had spoken to. Uh, you know, there are there were a lot that, that understood the complexities and understood the conflicts of interest. But you know, in terms of getting support for this for this law firm to come in, you know, I also had to explain to a handful of players, you know, many, maybe maybe half or more, uh, and go in depth of you know where the conflicts of interest are and where they might feel pressure and why they're going to feel pressure from one angle, and and you know, and and just kind of. I think that's why this time around it's 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 a very we're in a very solid and stable state because I think like every everyone that has that has signed on to this for Norton Rose's representation, they're maybe more educated than they were before we brought them in because you know I'd obviously gone through this process and I felt like it was very important to have a very stable base that that, that players wouldn't just get scared with yeah. um, you know, one little little you know, little comment from somebody that, that uh, yeah. maybe isn't coming uh, from a genuine angle.
1: How much this is just something I've wondered too, and I will get back to my original thread on the council stuff. But how much do you think players are aware of tour issues and tour landscape? Like you mentioned, like you, let's say there is some player I don't know you're alluding to ranked 40th or something who's represented by IMG mm-hmm. and doesn't realize the sort of inherent issues in IMG also owning Miami Open and owning whatever yeah. other tournaments they might manage. They have, they have fingers in all the pretty much all the tennis pies on yeah. some level. Uh, how much is that something? Because I, I got to say, in the whole Kerbode, Gimelstab thing, um, I was always sort of surprised to learn how little players knew. I almost mm-hmm. always overestimated how much someone yeah. was aware of it. Whatever the ins and outs of, of the specifics yeah. of the Gimelstab case particularly yeah. um, were. And, and and But just in a general point of view, like how... Yeah, I've sort of ha- had to learn that. And I don't... It's more functional than being trying to disparage them. But like, I have to go in assuming people don't know these things now or just... I see. I obviously, as like someone yes. covering the sport, sees it more from a big like, picture outside perspective. But like totally. people on the inside are not looking around.
2: Totally. Well, well, that well, that's the thing, right? And that's and that's. I mean, and that's kind of how you. That's how you maintain control as well. I mean, when you look at, you know, even governments or, or well, how do you control the? the you know, it's, mis- it's It's keeping people uneducated. Yeah. It's it's keep it's 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 keeping information. You know, away from 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 these people, right? So, so um, obviously. Tennis is, is it's very um, it's tough because by the time you actually know what is going on in the tour, mm-hmm. and then you join the council, you're nearing you know you're almost in your thirties, your, uh, your career is almost over. You're getting I'm not gonna say you're getting washed up, but like, but, but you know the 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 motivation and energy that you have to fight and really put in a lot of effort and time and. To, to make a change you know you won't necessarily get much in return and then you got young guys coming up that don't know what is going on whatsoever and then you go to the mandatory meetings and and the information you see there is pretty much useless I mean in terms of you know they just they just they I mean you you you, you see how everything is you see all the good things but but nothing is put into context you know you don't get any of the negatives you don't actually know um, what should be improved? What is going on? And really, by the time you're in your late twenties, you you start to to understand this. And I think so. That's where it starts. I mean, I think it starts with with educating the next the next gen, you know, as they're labeled now, or these young guys that come in and and you know, rather than than it being a six seven year process for them to understand. Um, the, tennis from the political side you know it's, it's to maybe educate them early on and this is actually the job of the player council at these mandatory meetings to stand up and do this but it's it's uh it's 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 difficult and 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 that's the thing and I think there's there's so there's so many complexities to the sport that like as a as a player when you're when you're I mean when your job is to wake up at eight in the morning and do everything you can to improve your game until nine p.m. or whatever it is yeah. I mean, I'm exaggerating a little bit maybe but um you know, there's only there's only so much that you'll be able to to learn from from the the conflicts of interest yeah. side and the actual political side in tennis, and so you're always going to be a bit uneducated. Even a guy on the council like me, I mean, I'm I've, I've made an effort to, to try to get as educated as possible in, in terms of um, you know what's going on in our sport, but but I'd be I'd be pretty naive to think that I know even you know. or 5% I feel like there's just there's just so many things going on and it's not my job to know everything and and Unfortunately, uh, I think that's why we've been shorthanded and why why we've been so powerless over the years
1: Uh, Just on you personally I guess because in the Gimmelstab situation. He got charged with felony battery it was uh, for the attack on Halloween um, and I think a lot of people were surprised right away when he like didn't step down from the board immediately, mm-hmm. and, and or tennis. I think he took a leave from Tennis Channel, but he didn't step down from the board, mm-hmm. and he stayed on the board for eight more months, which I think on the outside, a lot of people were like, what is going on? That like mm-hmm. this would never happen in any, any other industry, which I think is fair. Right, um, right. And you put out a statement at some point um, sort of more or less in support of him, and then, and then put out something later after you'd read right. more stuff about him. And I'm curious, and that was, that's mm-hmm. a little bit obviously, and I consider you obviously a more informed guy than the average person on tour, mm-hmm. but even still there were things that had been, I guess, widely reported that you didn't know about this yeah. case. And I'm curious yes. if, if how that happens, if if you think that Justin misled people on the council about mm-hmm. what was going on, um, which just seems like the most obvious explanation to me, mm-hmm. honestly, um, or, or what was going on to make this big disconnect between Everyone thinking, how does this guy still have this incredibly right. powerful role? Right. Also, at this pivotal time for tennis, with all the Kermode stuff going on, versus him, you know, the outside opinion of being like, what is going on to the mm-hmm. inside, still somehow managing to hang on and survive and thrive? I guess for eight months afterwards. Yeah.
2: So yeah, I mean, there are a lot, a lot of complexity, a lot, of, a lot of uh, angles to to, to to that question. I mean, one first of all is that, uh, you know, when when he did. When I heard about it for the first time, actually when I made the the those comments, it was it was actually directly um, related to his, his what he had done as a professional. It, okay. had, it was a there was zero uh, there was I mean it had nothing to do with, with his with his job. Actually, I didn't even read. So at the, the point the problem was when I had actually a reporter call me, um, and that's I guess that's the, the tough part. If you give your numbers to the reporters, they can call you at any time, and I pick up. I always pick up. That's the problem. But I actually had a reporter call me, I was at dinner and 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 to make to make a comments on, on uh on the situation that had unfolded. Don't, this is the second record, time around. You don't right? have to pick so, up my phone calls during dinner. Yeah. Just yeah. enjoy your dinner. <laughs> I did, you know? yeah, there wasn't yours, that was the thing. No, I know. And uh, and But uh, even even hers. Don't do yeah, pick up hers. Yeah, no, but 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 basically this was my fault because I, I mean at the time actually, you know, if I wouldn't even actually no, I I don't think I actually said anything necessarily wrong at that time or that I disagree with that, you know, hit professionally he did—he was fighting for the players. And I think you can speak to, you know, pretty much every player that had dealt with him on the council. You know, he was he was a strong advocate and he was fighting hard for the players. So you can never really take that away from him. Whatever he did, you know, in his personal life, that doesn't change. But, you know, then the, the victim impact statements came, which, which, you know, I had not read. No. Uh, and they at were at already all. out by the time that yeah, she called Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, so I, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I had not read, but but obviously, you know, so so it didn't look good. Obviously, you know, it was it wasn't a good look, and and um, um, but this is uh, so at that point, you know, why he didn't get taken off right away necessarily, why he didn't step down was because obviously there were these. This is even before the victim victim impact statement. This is, this is eight months before that when this first came to light. Um, you know, the, the way obviously he he really you know was was. Uh, um, felt that he was innocent and that that this was just that nothing was gonna you know come out at all right so so okay no problem well you guys took his word for that well well yes but 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 it's not but even just but it's even like so there there was he was accused of something but there was not any really guilt at the time right so there hadn't been a trial yet no right there hadn't been a trial so with well so even from just from you know to respect the process of that i mean It it just seemed like it was harsh to just be like, okay, well, you know, you you have to step down, and then there's a trial, and he's found completely innocent. Then, you know, so so I think we were just more like like we were trying to respect the the actual process, and uh, and at the time the council was unanimous on that, um, to my understanding, to my my memory is right because it just it just like it kind of hit us like a ton of bricks, and we were you know in the middle of all this uh, really important things. We're like, okay, well like what's actually happening here. Nobody I don't think anyone really knew what was happening. Okay. Um, it was just like, okay, here's here's a here's a situation. Um, you know, let's let our border reps handle this. What's the, the, the legal process? What's the best best way to go go about it. And um, because there was no trial because we didn't know if it was here if it was real, what really was happening there was it just you know we waited until there was an actual verdict no. so to speak right so and then once that came then, then it then it was you know then then he resigned um, but even that took a,
1: more than a week I think after he played no contests. Yeah. I mean I don't, I don't I mean, know just, the just from line, just from being covering others yeah. I obviously haven't covered too many right. you know, felonies in tennis luckily. Yeah. Um but normally a, a guy would sort of step down to avoid being a distraction yeah. or something and he didn't do that which I think yeah, I put, think it's his fault for bringing a lot of negative th- attention on the council and scrutiny on you guys yeah, maybe. for a long time. Yeah,
2: maybe. Yeah, put us in a in a, in a tough spot. Yeah. I mean uh, you know, for for sure. And a lot they, of people, not just
1: player council. a lot of people yeah. who supported him his various college yeah. tennis channel and stuff like that had to answered a lot had to hear a lot of questions about why is this guy still on your thing um, mm. it just struck me I mean this is I don't. you, you don't need to I'm not yeah it's very selfish of no
2: me. no honestly like uh, it, it was just uh, yeah I mean again at that point you know this happens and and again we're going th- daily process of practice training you know physio we're doing yeah. all our stuff and and this is happening and yeah. and and yeah it probably took longer than it should have yeah. uh, I mean probably definitely um, I think I think we, we were you know it was a pretty unanimous at at that, at that time it was just too difficult I mean it was it was it, it was what it was at that point and I think like since then I, I don't really understand to be honest if I can I don't really understand why it's it's been it's uh, this like you know gimostov Kermode um, feud has has been extended so long. I mean he's been out of the picture since I mean I don't know but you know then you see articles in The Telegraph and you see. And you're wondering like, what is going on here like why is this still being still being uh reported and and that's where where you know there was a little bit of a loss in trust from my side in terms of like well where are these stories coming from like why is this being pushed right now when this has been resolved like yeah. what what is going on like you know he's he's out of the picture i mean i, I really he was, was in was... london
1: though i heard at the at yeah the, he... around the media i don't know if he was at Came to any meetings, but he was Novak said he was talking to him in London. Yeah,
2: that was yeah. I mean, that was that was a surprise, obviously. That I, but but at least from my perspective, I, I you know it seemed like it was done and dusted, and and there were there were no there were no uh, other issues. But again, that might just be you know speaking of the the lack of of uh, of knowledge of everything that's going yeah. on, right? There's just so many so many uh, different different things going on at all times, right? So
1: yeah, on uh, Kermode, he. I talked to him in uh, Rome. Mm-hmm. I guess a couple months after he got the, the, he was informed of the decision not to renew his contract. Um, and he said he was not really necessarily given a reason why he was not. I don't know mm-hmm. if you agree with that all, but that's what he said. He does not was not given a reason why he was not being retained. That he could like point to you, like, oh, I know why I didn't mm-hmm. get repicked. And I will say from the outside of like the seven governing bodies in tennis, ATP, WTA, ITF, mm-hmm. and the four slams. I think you can make an argument that ATP is doing best of all of them, mm-hmm. financially and business-wise and growth-wise and marketing-wise. I think mm-hmm. they've been doing really well on all those fronts. So it's a surprising time, I think, probably for him to look back and say, compared to that, like, why am I the one guy who's getting kicked to the curb here? Mm-hmm. Um, why do you why do you think why do you think he was? What kind of light can you shed on that?
2: Um, well, again, there there are a lot of there are a lot of reasons. I think I think for this. Um, Main, mainly, you know, his his role is a leadership role, and I think I think overall the the general consensus, or not maybe not general, because there was a divide on, on this for sure, but but at least from our, our board reps was that that there was a, maybe a bit of lack of leadership. Um, you know, we're also in an era of what does that mean? Lack of leadership. Uh, well, well, just maybe just actually taking tennis to a level that it should go to because yeah it's been doing well of course you have you know the master's events everyone is running their own event too you have to be you know this isn't chris kermode necessarily running you know he's not going and running all the master's events yeah. and and what decisions has, has he actually done i mean i know you know there's you know that likes to take credit for a lot of things that that he that he didn't have any plan like the like the pension right that was all done before he even came there were i think there were two or three or four like a, quite a few things that have that have that were um, kind of directed t- towards towards him, and, and he was given credit for that. That were negotiated before he even came on, and that it, this would be best to actually speak to to our board reps, and they, they know all, they know all the details. But but when I say lack of leadership, I mean okay, right now we have we have the the, the golden era of tennis. I mean, uh, okay, arguably, I'm going to say that, I'm going to yep. say arguably because you know. I, because I don't want to disrespect the greats that came before, like, you know, the McEnroes, Borgs, you know, these, obviously, uh, Sampras, um, you name it, but right now we have, you know, Roger, Rafa, Novak, the three greatest players of all time. I mean, if, if uh, I, I I mean, how is tennis not going to be thriving in general if, if you have these guys there that are just unbelievable for the sport? Um, just growing it I mean on their own basically yeah. I mean the, these guys almost I think I think those those three and Andy when he I mean obviously now he's you know it's easy to forget about Andy because he just had surgery and he's not he's not here people have very short memories short-term memories but it's amazing but, how know, quickly big four turned oh to big my three God, exactly right yeah, in, yeah. in a matter of, of yeah, uh, yeah. a couple you know a year or so so obviously so let's say the big four you know and and, and Andy I mean this was it was a huge huge boom so obviously the the tournaments and, they, and they're great business people and they're running their there so that's the argument for you know i would say how well the atp doing so so could it be doing better i think so absolutely i mean it could, could it be doing better in terms of sponsorships in terms of you know uh i mean the, the next gen was was a great concept that you know isn't profitable right yeah. now but but it but you know that 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 was that was great I think the marketing thing yeah marketing, really well. people yeah, do use that, that phrase and Care about for, those players when they sure, haven't honestly sure.
1: had a lot of top line big results all the time. Well
2: for sure. And then and then I mean then you and then you also as a player you have to respect you have to respect your board rep your board rep's positions because these are guys that, that, that deal with deal with our president and the RGP management on a daily basis. So if they're so strongly un- unified uh, and they really were like no doubts about it, then then that that in itself, I mean you have to have confidence in these guys. Yeah. They represent you. Right, and these and these are the let's say, or these are the professionals, even though it's it's whatever, right? It's not not to the to the degree that that um you know, Norton Rose now, but but you know, these guys are the ones that are supposed to look out for your best interests within the ATP, and they were very unanimous and made very strong arguments for for why why they felt there should be a new leader, and um, so maybe it's best to ask ask them because other other than you know the information I just gave you. Um, you know that that was pretty much. Yeah. Much Although I will say they haven't really yeah. talked
1: about it, and they just said like they used some phrase about like time for new direction or something, which is pretty yeah. vague. It's pretty but, vague, but yeah. it would be
2: good. To, I mean, it, it would be good to talk to them because I think you'd be surprised uh, how much information they would they would give you. I'll um, uh, we'll see. Yeah. I've tried. I've I don't tried. know. I, I, I'll, maybe I'll. Yeah. Yeah, you I'll can. Talk talk yeah, we'll, see, <laughs> we'll see. See what you can yeah. do to loosen them up. Yeah.
1: Um, you uh, one thing that you've done I know in the last few days I talk I'm doing a story on it probably later on is you've done you've you've reached out to some of the you mentioned how players on your council are almost always at the end of their careers. Mm-hmm. That is not the case for this new group of WTA player council. It's a very young group who got elected. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, I think almost everybody's in their twenties, mm. if not everybody, uh, for the eight they only have eight players. Um, and you've reached out to a few of them, which is not really something that's been done, I don't think, between councils yeah for why did you want to do that?
2: Well well, I mean this movement that we're doing right now with Norton Rose and, and it's we're you know, we're we're going to the Grand Slams and we we we've as I said, right, we want to get uh, our fair share of the revenue and and this includes the women. I mean we're 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 playing under the same the same umbrella, same tournament, I mean same umbrella, you know, especially when we speak of the the four Grand Slams. I mean it's men men and women, you know, on the same court, uh, playing the same event. Selling the same tickets at that event, right? So, so obviously same TV it, deals for slams, right? So, I mean, yeah. we're we're basically well, it's 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 one event, it's men and women, so it's yeah. it's you know, so why not? It just makes sense, obviously. Like, well, first things first is I had to go to the to the men's tour to, to obviously it was hard enough to organize as it is just on the men's side and to see if they're you know to get the support for this. And then once this the men's uh, the men have showed you know a tremendous amount of support. Uh, for, for this movement it just made sense and it was natural and we sp- and we spoke about it with Novak and and uh, and we you know we we're now go- going to the women and we're getting them on board and the response has been tremendous I mean they're they're I- I've been speaking with Sloan a little bit and um, and uh, yeah so it just it just makes more sense because it's it's you know it's more leverage everybody is gonna thing is if this is successful everyone playing the Rams is gonna benefit so why not team up why not have you know uh, more leverage and 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 be a team and do and, uh, t- and tackle us together because we all have the same interests we're all in the same in the same boat so it just it was natural and easy and obviously I, I you know get along really well with some of those girls that are on the council now so it was just easy for me to to approach them and and tell them about what we're doing and and just to see what what their response is and and you know no surprise they're yeah. they're, they're, they're very supportive
1: there's been a lot of Player council representatives, past and present, have been known for making statements sort of against equal prize money at combined tournaments, whether it's Grand Slams or Indian Wells, Miami, things like that, mm-hmm. or even other tournaments that don't have it. And there's only a handful that do have it outside of the Slams, which is pretty much Indian Wells, Miami, and Madrid are the only mm-hmm. three that have sort of tied equal prize money. The rest uh, do not. And there's some, there's mostly, and overall, the men get paid more during the year than the women do based on their total tours. Um, and I'm curious, like, how much. There still are comments from Djokovic. Is one person who spoke about this a couple of times? Stakovsky talked about it a lot when he was on the council, mm-hmm. and probably would still if anyone asked him again. Yeah. How much is that? Do you think? How much are the women always seen as an ally in this? The WTA tour? Or how much is it seen as competing for parts of the same pie? Because mm-hmm. it does seem like there has been occasionally a preoccupation. I know. I know Stakovsky one quote. He said that like with me was that he said, "We go and we ask for what we think we deserve." And every time we get half of that, and the women get the other half of what the men deserve, basically was his thought. Mm-hmm. And so I'm curious what the attitude towards that is on the council now, because it seems like a kind of constant frame in Constant, a constant, constant and, and, and yeah, a constant mm-hmm. sort of unhappiness from the men's side. And the women probably are not thrilled all the time with the divide either. But the men seem to also, yeah, right. Not well, be
2: thrilled. well, I mean, I think I think in terms of in terms of uh, you know, we, we'll first have to separate. I think we have to separate the Slams from the rest of the tour. Yeah because, you know, I, I, the Grand Slams are not an ATP WTA you know, production. A yeah. production, right? It's, they're the Grand Slams. We've had equal prize money since... You know, 2007, two, yeah. 2007. <laughs> at, at Wimbledon. <laughs> I knew you would know. Since, I, 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 don't, I don't yeah, know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Since, uh, <laughs> since
1: 1973, the U.S. Yeah, Open. That, they were way ahead of everybody Okay, else. that's yeah. why I tapped you on the shoulder. I was like, yeah, since yeah. then I'll, you can I'll, tell I'll give me? you that answer. I have answer. no idea. Yeah, yeah.
2: Um, but, you know, so we've obviously... It took a long time. It
1: took 40, some right. 44 years for so, between the first and last, or 33, rather. You
2: know, and and you know, and that's great. And now, so that, that's that been that's been resolved. And there's equal prize money, and, I you know, that will be... I assume for as long as the Grand Slams are a thing and an event, that will be the same. And and so now, so that's not even that's not even a, a discussion. So now, if we go to, to the next, so there's a difference now if we go ATP and WTA because we're we're under a different. It's a different organization, right? Mm-hmm. So obviously, for the same reasons why why you know the Grand Slams or or, or let's say these tournaments don't want to give you know. Uh, more money than than they should or whatever it's like so at this point i think it's like we're competing right because it's, it's their different organizations so at that point it's like well you have to decide it's like okay well do you want to make one organization or do you keep it you know ATP WTA and at that point everyone's just trying to get as much as <laughs> as they as they it's can a it's think? a free for all it's a free for all right and i think that's why you know so there are WTA events and and you know they go they go and they have to do yeah, They have to go and get their sponsors, and they have to go and, and uh, get as much money as, as, as they can for, for, for their prize money. And then the ATP does the same thing for the men. And then when there's a combined event, I mean, I don't even know. I don't even, to be honest, it's is, is really hard for me to even uh, put an opinion on that because I don't know... Like what? What the 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 value? The differences in the value of of the sponsors? Like I don't even know. I'm not. I'm not educated with that information, so I can't even tell you. Like I can't even be like, well, you know, there should be, yeah, you know, men should have more or women should have more. Or should be equal. I can't even make an opinion because, like, to be honest, I, I have no idea what. Yeah. Like the, I don't. I have no idea how that divide. Like, how it even works? Like, do we do sponsors for the whole? Is it for the whole event? You know what I mean? It's like, there's—is yeah. there a section that's cut, put out for the women? A section that's put out for the men? And for me, I think I feel like, you know, the, the compensation s- should reflect, you know, that value. So what is actually brought? You know, do the, i mean, I mean, are the are, are the WT? Are they are they doing a better job with sponsors? Than, I yeah. mean, do you know what I mean? Like, I, I don't actually know how that is, but I just believe that I just believe that you should get you should get paid. Uh, on the value that you bring to that event right so and it same goes for same goes for e- in, in every part I mean and it would be double standard for example to say you know it, doubles versus singles right I mean it's same thing I mean I, I don't I don't know I like what like no. y- you know you know what I mean it's sh- like for example why isn't it 50% uh, doubles and fifty percent to the singles, right? And or why is no. it the way it is now? It's or twenty or eighty or I don't know what, what it is now. It's like, well, have we done the numbers? Like, what is it, right? So I'm very like just like matter of fact, black and white, you know, statistics, um, and uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean that, but so so to, so to answer your question, I don't even know. I don't even know. Yeah, I, don't even know. I I, don't I, I just know. think
1: it's something that's getting at yeah. least it's something that I've noticed too, and I think especially in this current sort of climate with obviously you know. Not to go too big picture on, but yeah. like Me Too movements and things like that, and general more equal pay and workforces across the board. I think people are probably increasingly uncomfortable with events mm-hmm. like Cincinnati, mm-hmm. where basically it's the same, same ca- caliber fields, but there's like a slight distinction in the tier. They basically divide their equivalent of the master's, I don't have much in the women's structure, but their masters here, their top nine events are divided into two groups, which are Premier Mandatory and Premier Five. Uh-huh. And basically, at the fives, which is Cincinnati. The combines so of Cincinnati, Rome, and Canada, okay. they get paid less. And I think the gap is actually widening. I feel like it was wider this year at Cincinnati than it happened before. And, and, you know, pl- fans go buy tickets for both. Usually most fans will sort of watch some of both when they're at a, mm-hmm. a tournament. They won't just say, I'm only here to watch women, I'm only here to watch men. Mm-hmm. Usually they'll sit on and pick based on matchups or based on players right. who they want to see and leave right. seeing both. And, yeah, I, I, just, I don't know. I just I just think increasingly when I think equal is sort of the simplest one, the mm-hmm. least the least – hard to fuss with because then once yeah. it's not equal they need to come up with a, a, yeah. a percentage and that yeah. just becomes a lot of like oh well look how f- full the stands were for Serena right, versus right. the next match featuring right. Zverev or whatever right and that that's just that I think that gets messy quickly but yeah. It, it's, and yeah yeah
2: I, I don't know the I don't know the simple answer right I don't know I don't know the simple answer it's just that you know ATP and WTA they're, they're completely separate organizations yeah. so I mean the fact that you know they're playing at the same same venue is already kind of you know, it's unique. It's unique and yeah. successful in terms of uh, in, in terms of yeah. equality. I mean, the fact that there were, you know, um, and then and then uh, and then from from then. I, I mean, you know, I think it's 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 a it's a very complex business. So you got to look at at at. at um, at more angles than just, okay, you know, it's easier to go 50-50, I, I, I don't know. I, mean, I know, like, Beijing, the women get paid more, is that right? That is
1: one, yeah, because that's, like, one of their, that's a 500 for you that's guys, five, and one of yeah. their, like, masters, basically. It's, right. it's one of their okay. top masters for okay. mandatory one.
2: Yeah. Okay, got it. So, so I mean, I, I like I said, I'm not yeah. I'm not very... So, it's not it's
1: not always complete apples to apples, but at mm-hmm. least, I don't know, for me, Cincinnati, Canada, and Rome are the three where it's, like, it'd be the easiest to close the gap. Right, and, right. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I, I, I don't even know enough to answer. Okay, <laughs> so well, there you go. Sorry about well, that. Well, I mean, there's a lot of stuff. No controversy that, and, and like, here, unfortunately. No, but like you, said, like you said,
1: it is tough because you're obviously playing yeah. full-time tennis, beating yeah. the top 10 guys. It yeah. takes,
2: that's not easy. It takes take some preparation yeah, to do that. Yeah, it takes some preparation. To say I, the I, least. To, to be honest, with, I, I'm, it's, with the amount of time and effort I've been putting into this uh, this uh, movement with the lawyers, I'm, I'm, I'm surprised I was ready enough to win. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, it's, it's taken a lot of, yeah, it's really taken a lot of a lot of time, a lot of energy, and you know, I started this. Uh, I started you know months ago, and, and now, you know, Novak has has uh, really, really, you know, dove into it with me. So so we're 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 pretty motivated, and and it's still, I mean, it takes it still takes a lot of time and energy. So hopefully, I'll have a little bit more for for, for the court. But I'm, I'm I'm managing pretty well. I can, I'm, I'm managing it well. <laughs> has it
1: been uh, rewarding for you? Frustrating? has it, it been? You know
2: what? It's it's. Uh, it's been, very, it's been a bit of both. It's been a bit of both. It's very rewarding because, um, I mean, I think it will be rewarding if it succeeds, uh, to be honest, because if, 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 if all this time and all this effort and all this, uh, what I really believe is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, and I really hope that, that the players understand it and get it, because I don't know, I mean, definitely not in our careers, but I don't know when the next time we'll, we'll the players will be put in a, in a position like this to actually have, um, you know, and I'm labeling it as fairness. I don't know if, if, if you know, that's just how I believe. That's how I look at it, and some people will disagree with that. But, but uh, I'm not sure uh, when the next time that will be. So I hope that that everybody can see that and and understand the gravity of the situation, and and just uh, that we stay unified. And and I think at that point, if that becomes successful, then this will be, you know, my definitely one of my my greatest accomplishments in the sport and I, I hope that I hope that it succeeds um, but um, there's yeah well I mean time will tell there are a lot of there are a lot of obstacles in front of us right now
1: any last thoughts anything else people should know before oh we God, uh, let I, you go oh on, your, uh, uh, on your crusade or, or other uh, or other things oh. going on in the life of Asha possible still
2: I don't know to be honest uh, this, this is consuming my life right now yeah. <laughs> con- no I've, I've uh, yeah I, I just no I just like I said I, I just hope this works out and um uh, and hopefully in in you know a few months' time, um, the the sport will will have changed uh, for the better and um, and yeah, that's pretty much it. Thank so, you very much. Thanks Sasha. for having me. Sure, thanks. Cool. A man inside a room is shaking hands with other men. This is how it happens. I carefully lay work it work it baby work your way around that room you're gonna make it big someday you're gonna make